Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, how are you doing today? Oh, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain at all. Yeah, you know what? Tonight's going to be a special show. I, I, I know we say that all the time, but it's going to be a... It's going to be a touching one. It's going to be one that a lot of people don't like to discuss, and it's going to be, I mean, we're going to give out some pointers, you know, uh, as far as, how, you know, and on how to deal with our topic for tonight. Yes, you know, and, and Greg, I almost tend to disagree with you on one of those because I think people do talk about it a lot. Okay. You know, but it's something that's so commonplace to some people mm-hmm. that, you know, when they talk about it, they're like, oh, you should have known that anyway, you know. Mm. You know, um, it's interesting because I was talking to somebody today, and, uh, you know, I'm always talking to people. Yeah. And, you know, we just happened to be discussing, you know, uh, how different things happen to different people and so forth. And uh, and we didn't, actually co- we didn't actually talk about our topic tonight, but it was just interesting to hear how... You know, people of different races view different things and, and how they see, you know, how it's, well, this is what really should have happened or didn't you know this? You know, and you always get that and you tend to want to say, well, how was I supposed to know that? Because I'm not, you know, I'm not in that, in that, you know, I mean, I'm not in that, in that sort of category. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're saying. You know, I know exactly and so, what you're saying. You know, it, to t- tonight's topic is it's going to be pretty good, pretty good. I, I think so, anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, if you have any comments or questions, or if you just want to listen in on your telephone, maybe you're leaving the house. Our call-in number is seven one eight five zero eight nine six zero zero. That's seven one eight five zero eight nine six zero zero. And we want you all to also to come on the chat lines. We're there. We're we're ready. You know, if you're listening on the phone and you're about to get home and you want to get online, the website is www.blogtalkradio.com slash A-S-E motivation. That's www.blogtalkradio.com slash A-S-E motivation. I'm about to give them a MySpace page out here, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Give it, give it, give them all. Give them everything, Brian. Just I give, give them everything. <laughs> if you want to get in contact with Greg, Greg, MySpace page is Gregory Turner. Oh, my MySpace page. Yes, Gregory Turner's MySpace. Oh, it's MySpace dot <laughs> com slash ASE motivation. All right, and my MySpace page is MySpace dot com slash Brian J Henderson. Yes, yes. So tell hit you us what, up on the MySpace. Hit us up on. Uh, chat lines, call us. We want your opinion. We want to hear what you all have to say and your experiences as well. Ex- exactly, exactly. Greg, go ahead and give us give everyone a topic for tonight. I don't know if they're ready for the topic tonight, Brian. We might have to wait a little while on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I topic, think when Greg yeah. gives you this topic, everybody will be able to relate to it at some point. At, at some at point, so, yeah. Somebody's seen something, or they know something, or they've seen this happen to someone. Like tonight's either topic, been, I'm yes, sorry, go ahead, Greg. Yes, tonight's topic is unfair police treatment. Ooh. Unfair police treatment. Hmm. Unfair police treatment. Greg, give us your idea of what you think is unfair. Well, you know, treatment. we all have our uh, own definition of unfair. Mm-hmm. I think it's when you treat a certain class a certain way, certain class of people one way, and you don't treat the same, you know, you don't do the same things to the other class. I think when you treat one better than the other, or you give favoritism to one side, but you don't give it to the other side based on their color, or based on their religion, or based on their sex. Ah. Hmm. That's interesting because, you know, most people have their own, of course, have their own definitions of what they think is fair or unfair. You know, now, in the realm of police treatment, 
you know, some people will say that, you know, that police treated you exactly how you were supposed to be treated, you know, and some people have their own, you know, preconceived notions of how you should be treated by the police. You know, you have some that think that the police should be very nice and calm and cool and they should never bother you for small stuff, you know. Some people believe that the only that the police should be out trying to get the murderers and, you know, leave the the people who just want to, quote-unquote, smoke their smoke and drink their drink, you know, alone. You know, so you have these different uh, categories of what people believe is fair treatment and unfair treatment. Some may say, hey, I get pulled over the other day because my taillight was out. They could have been catching some murderer and they pulled me over for a taillight being out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, you, you're going to hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to always say, well, I, I, I didn't do anything. I don't know why he he stopped me. Uh, he should have been doing this or he should have been doing that. And he was mean to me or he was rude to me. Mm-hmm. Not all police officers would mistreat you. That's the thing. All of them aren't bad. <clears throat> I agree. I agree. You know, my brother is a cop. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I, I would say wholeheartedly, there's been times where, you know, when I've talked to him and he's been on a call mm-hmm. and he's, you know, pulled somebody over and he's like, hold on a second. And I can hear the whole conversation. I'm like, oh, God, what is he doing? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, he's pretty much giving people, you know, slap on the wrist. I remember a time he pulled somebody over and I just happened to be on the phone with him and he put the phone out. And, you know, as soon as he walked to the car, the man's, you know, he had to tell the man to get back in the car because the man jumped out the car. What the heck you pulling me over for? And you know I'm using correct language here because <laughs> I can't use the language that I heard. Right. You know, but the guy's yelling and screaming, "Why'd you pull me over? You're racist. You're this. You're that." And come to find out, guy had marijuana in the car. You know, and he was basically trying to get my brother not to give him a ticket, but he comes out yelling and screaming, "I know my rights." And you don't have the right to just pull me over. And, you know, my brother was telling him, well, I was pulling you over to tell you that, you know, that you had a a, a low tire, but you wouldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, you have those kind of things that happen. That, that, and people that, think that, oh, you're just, you, the police is just bothering us. You know, they're here to serve and protect. And many, more often than not, are trying to serve the public good, yeah. and they're trying to protect, you know, you as well as others. Yeah. You know, in the case of my brother, he was just trying to stop the guy from running on a flat tire. If his tire would have blown out, he could have had an accident, and then what, you know? You know, Brian, I agree with you when you say that there are more good cops than there are bad cops. I agree. But but when it's a bad cop doing bad things, and it's open to the public, Right. The entire department and the entire city suffers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We see on television all the time where, where, and, and I'm going to ask you this, and, and we're going to be straightforward tonight. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm just going to ask. Mm-hmm. We see all the time young black men being killed all the time by police officers. But I want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. And all the times that you've seen these police incidents where uh, someone was killed and it was, uh, you know, it's all on the news now and it's a big thing, how many of those men that were killed were white? You know, I can't really recall. Why is it, why is it that, oh, he was, I thought he was reaching in his pocket for a gun. Was that person white? How many of those people have you seen that you know that said, "Well, this person didn't act accordingly as I t- when I told him to do this or do that, he didn't do it." Right. How many of those people were white? Well, you know, it's funny because I think that you have a lot of incident, a lot of them on both sides, of, you know, of the fence as far as you know, white versus white, white versus black, and so forth. But the ones that make the media are more often. White cops that oppress, you know, or that they have an incident with a, you know, a young black male or a young black female or so forth. And I think because that just makes, you know, people want to watch and see. You know, if they see, oh, this white cop, 
you know, stopped this white man and he didn't pay attention, he didn't do this and he didn't follow directions and got shot. You know, it's not a great, it's not a big buzz. I think the media feeds that hype. And so when they hear white cop shoots white man, it might hit the news a little bit. But they hear white cop shoots black man, oh, it's a racial storm. And then you also have this issue of what I call the race mongers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the race mongers are the folks who are quick to say it was racism. Like I can remember uh, a couple of months ago, there was a young black female, teenager. She's about 15, I would guess. And the cop had to subdue her with pepper spray. And, uh, you know, and people were in an uproar. Oh, my God, he's he pepper sprayed that 15-year-old defenseless little baby girl. You know, but what they didn't talk about was the fact that, one, the girl was past curfew. She was intoxicated. And she bit the police officer after repeatedly not answering his orders to cease and desist. And that's the part that didn't make it on the tape. Right. You know, it was repeatedly, you know, you could actually hear him on tape saying, please give me your hand, give me your hand. He kept telling her to leave, but she wouldn't leave. So he said, give me your hand. I'm going to place you under arrest. I'm going to handcuff you for your safety. And she would not give her hand. You know, she kept pulling away. Now, he could have easily just slammed her to the ground because she was she disobeyed a direct order from a police officer. Right. And he could have, if he needed to use force, he could have. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until she bit him on the hand that he began to use force. Well, and maybe the force he used wasn't even the force that he could have used. Well, you know, he probably freaked out because, you know, right now, he don't know if this person has age. He mm-hmm. he don't know, and if she broke the skin with her teeth, you know he probably freaked out. Exactly, you know. And I'm not saying that to say that, you know, oh the cops don't do those things and they're not mean and they're not bad because you have several incidents. You know, I mean, I I think about the incident of the guy who was just getting ready to get married. He's in it having you know his bachelor party and having fun and. He's out with a bunch of his friends. And I think that was in New York, right? That was in New York, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, the next thing you know, they're dead. Wow. You know, he's dead, and his friends have been shot up by the police because the police were, you know, overzealous. Did he have a gun? Well, they said he had a gun. He said he didn't. They, you know, his friends say he didn't have a gun. Police say, well, they must have gotten rid of the gun when, as they were running away. I'm thinking, well, <laughs> hey. Well, do you, you know, well, let me ask you this, Brian. Do you dead think, man can't run. Yeah, but let me ask you this. Do you think police officers act differently based on the race that they're dealing with? Oh, when they, when they come can, to the scene, you know, I can go towards my own personal uh, incident where I was leaving my house, I was leaving my apartment, and there was a sheriff's officer that was circling the apartments, you know, just checking out our neighborhood, and. Uh, I actually lived in a, you know, a very affluent apartment complex community, you know, luxury condos. And uh, I was young, had a little beat-up pickup truck, so I didn't look like I really belonged there, according to the bourgeois folks. But anyways, I actually lived there, and I also worked in the apartment complex. And so I'm leaving. Well, the police, they pulled me over at the front gate with guns drawn. And I'm like, whoa, what the heck is going on, you know? And they said, well, the apartment that you were leaving had a broken screen on the window. (laughs) And I said, what? They said, the apartment that you just left. I said, no, I actually came from the apartment above that one. I came from upstairs, downstairs, and that apartment, yes. Those renters broke the window, like broke their screen like three months ago. They didn't want to pay for it, and so we didn't replace it. You can call my manager. And, you know, and I gave them the, the number to the manager at the front office. They called, verified that I actually lived there as well as worked there before they let me go. Wow. And, and it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So you can imagine my disdain for... Those particular officers, especially when I'm looking at, you know, two service revolvers pointing at me. Right. And they're telling me, put your hands on the wheel. And I'm like, they're already there, 10 and 2, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, and I followed all the procedures as I knew how to. But I can tell you that 
I was very, very afraid, and luckily I knew what to do. And so we're going to talk about what we need to do as well tonight. We're going to talk about, you know, some of the issues that when we're put in, or some of the situations that we're put into, how to get out of them and how to deal with them so that you don't accidentally get your head blown off. And one is to follow the officer's command. Whatever he tells you to do, whether you like it or not, your goal is to walk away without having to go to jail or without any kind of confrontation at all. Absolutely. That's number one. Your main goal is not the situation. That's not your main goal. Your main goal is to walk away from all of this, is to let him do his job and leave. Don't give him any reason whatsoever to do anything. The last thing you want to do is to make any type of confrontation, anything, keep your mouth shut. Yes. You know, I don't think, to be honest, we can stop there. (laughs) We can stop right there. And, and, that's the most. That's probably the single most thing that gets us in trouble. Mm-hmm. We want to talk back and get upset with the police. And you, why are you stopping me? You don't have the right. Well, he I know you. my rights. Well, he stopped you. You stopped now. So deal with it. You can deal with the complaints later. But your thing is to get away from that scene safe without any type of confrontation at all. Don't feel like this person is making you feel like less than a man or less than a woman or less than a human being. That's not the issue because there's nothing that that police officer can say to make you feel that way unless you give him the permission to make you feel that way. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and too often we want to get mad and go off and fly off the handle, and that just makes the police officers want to figure out what is wrong with this fool, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and when I hear about that, I always laugh because I'm thinking, didn't they learn from Rodney King? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Rodney King could have called him, look, don't act crazy. Don't give them a reason. A lot of them are, have been working all day, and they're ready to go home, and they're just going to give you a ticket. If you got the ticket and you deserved it, pay it. If you didn't deserve it, fight it. But don't get mad at the officer, because most of the time he's just trying to do his job. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about uh, just the other day, the um, I think it was a sheriff's officer here in Tallahassee, pulled over a young man, uh, a, a gentleman for either a busted taillight or a broken turn signal, something. I'm not sure what it was. Turned out this guy was a fugitive on the run for nine years for a murder case. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's just doing a routine traffic stop and catches the guy. The guy shoots him a fake ID. He runs the ID, and it comes up as being, you know, incorrect. So he takes the man into custody. Next thing you know, he's being lauded for catching a murderer. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, so for the most part, the police are trying to do their job. They don't know whether you're a criminal or not. They just have to take the standpoint that I'm not going to get killed today, you know, on a whim. I'm going to be any day. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. This, Like you said, we're going to be honest today. They have to think about that. Because if you look at, especially nowadays with the rash of killings, uh, here it is, uh, 2008, another South Florida officer has been killed. And so, of course, police officers, rightfully so, are on edge because they don't know. I mean, literally, you know, you would never think that someone would be bold enough to go up and just shoot a cop. I can remember a young man a couple months ago who was eventually killed by the police officers, but he shot not just one, he shot four cops, killed one, wounded the other three, and when the cops finally surrounded him, he went out like a soldier, like most people would say, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not to, dis- that's not to discredit the, our, you know, brave soldiers that are overseas and, you know, here and abroad, but 
he went out blazing guns. You know, he had I think he had an, an AR-15 and a couple other pistols on him. And when the police told him to surrender, he said, I'll kill you first, and shot at the police, and they shot back and killed him. Wow. You know, so you have some people who just have no respect for the law and no fear of the law. So, of course, you're going to have situations where, you know, the police are going to have to, you know, do what they have to do. Right. If you just join us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Tonight's our topic is unfair police treatment. If you have a question or a comment, please feel free to call us at 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. Brian, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to go to the calls. I see we have some callers on right now, but if you hold on just a second, we'll be right back. Section, may I help you? Yeah, I'd like to place an ad for an apartment I'll be renting out. Okay, how should the ad read? Uh, sunny one bedroom, 850 square feet, modern kitchen, hardwood floors, $1,000 a month rent. Available immediately, unless you're African American, Hispanic, Asian, Middle Eastern, Indian, or a member of any other minority group. Okay. Uh, apartment is also unavailable if you are female, have children, a disability, or believe in a non-traditional religion. Anything else, sir? No, oh, yeah. Can we add that pets are okay? Certainly. Unfortunately, housing discrimination isn't always this obvious. If you think you've been a victim because of your race, color, national origin, sex, religion, disability, or family status, call 800-669-9777 or visit HUD.gov. Fair housing, it's not an option, it's the law. Brought to you by HUD and the Ad Council. All right, we're back with the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we're going to go to the calls right now, Greg. Let's okay. try the caller in the 404 area code. Caller, are you there? Uh, yes, sir. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. You have a comment or a question for tonight's topic? Well, from what I've heard, I don't know who am I speaking to, Greg or Brian. This is Brian. Hey, Brian. Good evening to you. Good evening. You know, I, I think it's a very difficult um, situation. I, I applaud the positive um, commentary that, that I've heard so far. I don't know where I've heard any fun. But um, I think it's, it's, it's two-sided because... Uh, you know, the, the, the police as a, as a whole uh, are reflective of a lot of negativity that are going on in the society anyhow. So when a person gets pulled over besides them being nervous um, and then wanting, well, if we're speaking, I don't know, racially or not, you know, um, a person gets pulled over, they become nervous and they become defensive um, I think that's natural uh, if they feel as though they haven't broken any law. Um, the police, uh, quite frankly, I don't believe that they have really set the, the best standard. Um, racial profiling has come come to light, uh, but let me say, you know, beside that, that um, you know, police are necessary in this society. And there are a lot of good officers. I, I know, I know some personally. Mm-hmm. But um, aside from that, though, um, even as I have talked to them, um, and I, I've made my criticisms um, quite clear to them that, you know, their their presence, if it were more more visible, more interactive, uh, perhaps the image that they have. Uh, may not be so so frightful. Um, yes, yes, I, I agree. You know, I can remember um, when I went to New York. I went to uh, we were in Manhattan, and it seemed like every other street corner, if not every street corner, had a police officer on it. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, initially I was like, man, look at all these police. Where do they get them all from? You know, because I came from an area in South Florida that whenever you saw the police, you either uh, ran or got ready to run, (laughs) you know, whether you did something wrong or not. 
because they were going to line everybody up. They were going to search everybody. They were going to make sure that everybody didn't have something. If one person had something, everybody was going with them, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the way that they operated. So for me to see all those police officers, even though I hadn't done anything wrong, I'm there with my wife and my children, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm naturally nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's it's really, you know, and, and it, again, this is in some cases that when you see the police officers, you naturally have this apprehension, you know, unless you're comfortable around police. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian, let me ask the let me ask the caller this caller. This is this is Greg. I'm sorry. Hey, Greg. How are you doing, Good brother? Good. You know, do you think that you know the police officers are trained a certain way based on the race of the individual that they're dealing with? No. No, I, I believe that um, a lot of police officers, as as it is no um, secret, uh, it is almost traditional that they go into the force. Uh, now, if you uh, search um, the traditional records in terms of what generation police officer it is, and you go back farther and farther and farther, um, I, I do understand that there are many police officers, because of this traditional training and grouping, they're being around a certain uh, group, um, that the influence uh, over their minds socially and can create uh, certain prejudices which become ingrained and they uh, interact with uh, people of different colors uh, differently. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, vis-a-vis, they, they may approach a car in a uh, minority neighborhood uh, much differently than uh, they might in a affluent um, neighborhood. In a, in a, in a uh, minority neighborhood, they might tell you, put your hands on the wheel <laughs> and step out the car or put your hands on the wheel. They got the flashlights going, whereas um, in a different neighborhood, they might, you know, put their hands uh, on their gun the same as they would in any situation, but they may not, Tell them to put their hands on the wheel. Right. Um, you know, and this is something that, uh, you know, um, I, I view as traditional and, and, and an upbringing and something that goes way back, that, that, that should be abandoned and should be fought within the police ranks to, to try to teach, you know, to turn that thinking around. Um, is my hope. Yes. Do you think, as, as a parent, do you think, you know, with the black kids in the black communities, do you think we need to teach them uh, on how to act and how to deal with police officers? I believe we should we should be more interactive with them. Yes. Yeah. I believe yeah. all communities ought to be more interactive with them. And they should be more interactive with us as well. Yes. 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 Most definitely. Both parts. Most yes. definitely. Yeah, most definitely. The community, when we when we speak about police, it has such a strong strong influence on the community that goes beyond which they, what they exercise today. Besides fear, yeah, you know, it ought to be one of encouragement and trust. Um, and uh, with with more presence, because I noticed. It, you know, you mentioned New York seeing police officers on on every corner going down the street. Now, if I were to walk there today, I'd feel very comfortable like that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very comfortable, you know, I, because I, I know that, you know, I'm not going to get abused or, or misused, you know, in any circumstances. He's not just going to take it upon himself just to, you know, uh, single me out or if I'm with some of my um, Caucasian friends or what have you, you know, he's not going to do that because there's another police officer down here, there's one over here, and uh, the, the odds are that that, that's, that type of behavior won't surface in that type of um, environment with uh, a number of them there. I think they can, 
you know, with a larger proof. But now, when I speak about that, uh, we we also want to talk about that that brings in money because police officers cost money, yes. taxpayer money, and so there's a lot of dynamics that, you know, I don't, you know, think that that it'd be quite difficult and lengthy to to go into, you know, the whole whole spiel. So, in answer to your question, I I think that um, I believe that yeah. Uh, we should be more interactive with them, and that we should they should be more interactive with us. Yes. Well, yes, yes, yes. You know, we we thank you for your comments. Awesome, very yes. awesome, and very insightful. Yes, yes. You know, because you actually talked about some things that I hadn't thought about yet. <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, Greg, I want to go to the next caller. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Caller in the 407 area code, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. you have a comment or question about tonight's topic? Yes. I grew up with the program Officer Friendlies. Mm-hmm. And they were policemen that came to the schools. And they came on a regular basis, and they normally had a, some type of presentation. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Because as children, you need to know who to really fear and you need to know who to trust. And so, yes, there are, you know, gray areas and everything. There are good and bad and all, you know. But really, the policemen need our love and our support. And they need to know that that we're behind them, that we love them, that we don't all, you know, hate them or are against them. Mm-hmm. You know, and... I think it's important that uh, about what you talked about with uh, in reference to children, because like my children, I can remember um, when my son was old enough to know that my brother was a police officer. For about maybe two or three years, he talked about being a police officer when he grew up, strictly because he saw my brother being a police officer, and he ha- he does not have a fear of the police, you know, and even with my youngest daughter. She, I can recall um, probably right before Christmas, someone had stolen a package off of my front porch. They ripped the package open and took the contents. And so I called the police and filed a police report. And my daughter immediately started talking to the police officer. You know, and he was kind of shocked. He was like, wow, you know, this little, you know, and, and I'm not saying he said this, but this is what the look that he had on his face was like. Okay, this little black girl is actually talking to me and having a conversation with me, and I'm a white police officer, you know. But she started talking to him. She started asking him about his gun and what kind of gun is that? Oh, is that a taser? And so he let her shoot the taser. You know, he showed, he took out the barbs and let her see that they, there's electricity on it, you know. And she was just so happy. And he was kind of like, wow, you know, this little child warmed up to me, didn't, wasn't afraid of me, you know, and so I think that's really the key factor. We have to start, you know, getting our children familiar with our protectors because, for you know, especially in the minority community, because too, more often than not, we are typically afraid of the police. We don't trust the police. We don't want them around. Whenever we see them, you know, we holler out, there's nine, there's 99, they go to they go to police, they go to troll, you know, we're we're constantly alerting the the bad guys of the presence of the police, you know, when we think that they they shouldn't be in there messing with them, you know, or we get upset when they come to arrest, you know, people that we know or maybe possibly some family members when they're doing something wrong. You know, and I think that's just the craziest thing in the world. You know they're criminals. You know they've done something wrong, and yet you're mad at the police for doing their job. And in most cases, they've done something to you. They've taken from you. They've made your neighborhood unsafe. And yet, when the police come to try to arrest them, you're saying, oh, they always messing with people. Well, you know, Brian, with with the teenagers, they think of the police officers as the enemy anyway. Right. And, And it's portrayed that way on television. 
Mm-hmm. It's not portrayed that way to white kids because it's really not showing them doing anything to white kids. I don't know if it's just a television thing or a rating thing to always show police officers beating blacks or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if it's a tool to keep you uh, afraid of them or to to respect authority to, in some type of way. But the, the kids, that's all they see. That's all the teenagers see on television. Mm-hmm. They, that's all they see is the officer slamming uh, one of their peers to the ground and, and taking him to jail. And you see in schools now where you see a 5-year-old or an 8-year-old in school that get in some type of confrontation with a teacher, and now that kid at 8 years old is going to jail. is being sentenced to jail, but you don't see that with a white kid. So I kind of understand why these kids get upset, and I understand why a lot of them just flat out hate police officers and hate the system, because it is an unfair, uh, sometimes it's unfair. I think if they show both sides, which I doubt you'll ever see, but if they show both sides, I think the kids will have a better understanding of what's really going on. So when they turn the television on all the time and see a kid going to jail for uh, a pushing-shoving match with a teacher, now it's wrong. I'm not condoning it. I I wouldn't uh, want any kid to do that. But to to put a a kid in jail, Mm -hmm. I want to see one white one that's been sentenced to jail. That's what I want to see. Well, you know, Greg, I, I I think that you do have those cases where you have some that are white that go to jail just like you have some that are black. But I think it's really, they're more afraid of what that child's going to do when that child's a minority because of the trend. Because you see more of them going to jail than not. Mm -hmm. And so they say we do it as a safety issue because this child may have been violent towards a teacher or upset towards a teacher. And a lot of times these teachers aren't equipped to deal with children who have you know, grown up in a in a different type of culture, you know, where they, when, you know, and sadly to say, some of the times they've been taught not to respect authority. You know, they've been taught not to respect a teacher or an adult. Or, or, or could it be that that white, that police officer is afraid of that white kid because he knows that there are repercussions behind touching that kid because they don't know who whose child that is. Exactly. They know that if you mistreat a white kid, you know you're going to be in court. You know that. You know there's going to be a lawsuit. That's that's 100%. You know that's going to happen. Yeah, you know, and and well, I wouldn't say it 100%, but it's it's a great. It look, your chances are pretty pretty good. Right. You know, I, I actually when when I thought about it. I can remember there was a school where I used to be the school advisory council member, and um, there was a kid there that whose parent had sued the school board about four or five times. And, you know, he was an African-American, and he, uh, let's just say he was a brat. He stayed in trouble. He would flirt with the teachers, with the teachers, with the teachers. And I'm not just saying like, oh, he say, hey, you're cute. He told a student teacher one day that he could pimp her, and she would make a lot of money because she he knew some guys that liked white meat. <laughs> you know, and so when you think about a child, here it is, a fourth grade child, no more than ten, nine, ten years old, who's te- who's talking to a teacher like this. And when he gets reprimanded, he calls his mother and said, they verbally abused me. And then his mother proceeds to call an attorney and file a lawsuit against the school. Hmm. You know, and because I can remember, you know, this kid was in trouble just about every time I would have, every time we had a meeting. Because he would always do it when he knew that there were, like, important people in the building, so to speak. Anytime they had a visitor, you know, they would always, he would always cut up. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, sometimes when that happens, uh, a child can be bad. But when that child is being mistreated, sometimes they tend to hold that against that child. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case. Right. Uh, I I think the other side are are, are quicker to sue than we are. I think that their lawsuits are handled differently than ours. I think when they file lawsuits, you don't hear anything about it. Oh, no, they settle. Yes, and you never know anything about it. But that's a whole other show. We're going to talk right, about that right. as well. Yes, we We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. You know, but, you know, I think the most important part of it is that when you have police and you, and you have those things that happen, you know, what do you do after the fact? I mean, what do you do after the fact? What do you do after that that incident has occurred? Well, Brian, let's go to the 573 caller. I think they can probably answer that call for you. All right, let's do that. 573, talk to us. Hello, God bless you. Hey, hey I know that voice. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, I'm enjoying the um, the show. I'm enjoying the show because, you know, this kind of um you know, conversation, you know, I've always had a, you know, a, a passion for this because being an officer for, um, you know, four years or so, you know, of my professional career, you know, I'm on the streets as a black officer particularly, you know, I had the opportunity to, you know, run into a lot of, you know, of stuff that was typically labeled as, as racist. Now, now I'll say this, you know, I was um, just read a topic, I don't know if it was somebody else's show or whatever recently, and, and their topic was talking about um, that they thought that black police officers were harder on black people than a white officer. You know, and, and I thought that was interesting because I always try my best, you know, to give people the opportunity to prove themselves, you know, white or black, you know. I mean, I always like to be the fair person, you know, the person who gives you the opportunity, you know, to, to make it because and a lot of the cases that I arrested and began, I found out, you know, by the time I got done booking the people, they say, they said, Mr. White, you're the, the nicest officer that has ever arrested me. Now, what, what, what does that tell you? That tell you that they had been arrested several times. Yes. That they had, that they had made a, you know, it was, a, it was a history for them to end up where they were in the booking room. You know, but because I treat them with the respect, you know, that they had, you know, white or black, you know, they they couldn't walk out there and say anything else, but, you know, we appreciate the way you have treated us. You know, and so when I, when I saw that topic, you know, on that other show, I'm, I know I'm getting a little bit off here, but I'm going back to where you are in just a second. But when I saw that topic, you know, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I'm thinking, like, no, I was a black officer, and I treated people black and white, you know, well. You, you know, and so to think, you know, that there's a that misconception out there, you know, of black officers, you know, that, you know, is hurtful, you know, considering that I was a black officer. Now, you know, there is a, a concession out there of all officers. The, concession, the misconception is that um, cops are dirty, you know, and and I learned that quickly, you know, um, that um, particularly black society has trained their children to think of cops as an enemy, you know, and that's not fair, you know. And so I made it my business, you know, my baby, you know, growing up, tell them, hey, cops are there for your protection, you know, and 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 the, the the average cop is not dirty. The average cop is there to help you and protect you, you know, and so when you run into trouble, you go to the police. Now, what happens here is this. We got children who need protection. We have, we, there, there's been cases gone un, unreported because they thought the police was their enemy. Yeah. You, have, you have young girls raped and, and, and young men beat, you know, and they were afraid to go to to the police because they thought the police were their enemy, you know. And so when we teach our children that we're setting them up for failure in life, we're setting them up, setting, setting them up to think to themselves that they, it's me against the world, you know, and it's not you against the world. There is a justice system in place. Now, is it always fair? No, I'll be the first to tell you. It ain't always fair. But there is one in place, and when you, and when you handle it properly, you can make it fair. Uh, I mean, that's, this is the, this is the thing. Uh, called how should how should we act when dealing with police officers? Do you think 
the, the, the kids today, when they leave the house, they're dressing as a suspect. We know that. Mm-hmm. At some point, we're going to have to teach them how to dress as a prospect. But how Absolutely. do we teach the kids or the young uh, teenagers on how to deal with the police officers? You know, first of all, you know, I think teaching our kids to deal with police officers is the same way we teach them to deal with adults. You know, we teach them respect adults. You don't talk to an adult like, you know, like, like they're another kid. You talk to them, you know, like they're an adult. You know, and um, and when I talk to my kids, you know, about dealing with police officers, first of all, you know, I've, I've got a, a dog that will be turning 16, year old, 16 years old here in the next year or so and be ready to drive. And I told her, you can talk about a police officer. First thing you need to do is be courteous because I know as an officer that you're more apt to let a person go without giving them a ticket, you know, if they're polite. Now, the first thing I get out your mouth is, what'd you stop me for? Yeah. You pick up because I'm black. You know, that's going to rub it off the wrong way, and right away you've turned this man because one thing you got to remember is this. Officers are human also. Yeah. They're human just like anybody else, and so they, 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 can come, they can be in a good mood, and you can rub them the wrong way, and they're going to react because they're human. You know, but teaching our children to, to, to respect police officers like, like, like they do their teachers. When you send your kid to school, you tell them, now, Johnny, if I hear you talking about their teacher, you know it's going to be a problem at home with us. You know, when you send your kids out to society, you tell them the same thing. You're not going to suspect any officers out there. You're not going to suspect anybody who's an authority out there because you've been taught better than that. You know, officers are in authority. Whenever people get finished and, and uh, talking about it, I mean, they can make all the injustice comments they want to make, but officers are, are in authority, and that's the reason why they a lot of times, you know, end up, you know, you, abusing their authority because they do have authority. So we have to teach our children, you know, to... Be citizens. That's the best way to put it. Be citizens. Citizens aren't to be pushed around. Citizens aren't to be abused. Citizens aren't to be, you know, given a short end of the stick. Citizens, citizens are a priority. Why? Citizens pay the salary of police officers. And when you are a good citizen, you know, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, um, I, when I go out to society, I see an officer in, in public, yes, sir, no, sir. That's what they said to me. Yes, sir, and no, sir, because, first of all, I'm not going out, you know, with, like you said, dressed as a suspect. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's where I teach our children, you know, I mean, um, it is important the way you dress. And, I, and I, I know that, I mean, I teach as an alternative school also during the day. And the alternative school is the school where they send the kids when they kick out of regular school. Now, if you know what I'm talking about, you know about 100% of our students over there dress as suspects every day. Yes. You know, and their their whole demeanor is of a suspect. Yes. And so even though I'm not a police officer anymore, I still deal with criminal mentality every day. You know, but but from this angle though, I'm training the kids how to stay out of the hands of police officers. And I and I you know, and as a pastor from the pulpit, you know, I would tell young parents, if you don't train your child at home, if you don't if you don't spank him at home, the police will, but it's gonna be worse. Because when we get out there, you know, and, and go to run up at the mouth and up to a police officer, especially one who thinks he's tough, they're going to beat him, you know, and, and when you could have done it at home and save them the beating. Mm-hmm. Teach them at home. Because <laughs> if you don't teach them at home, they'll teach them in the street. And when they learn in the streets, oh, boy. <laughs> it ain't pretty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, wow. I, w- I don't know if I was ready for all that. <laughs> that was good stuff, though. I mean, you know, I, I think... Well, actually, I know the most important part about what you said was the fact that you have to teach them at home. You have to. You can't assume that they're just going to pick it up and just walk with it, you know, if you don't say anything. You know, I can remember, you know, some things that I learned at home and some things that I learned in the streets. And I guarantee Mm -hmm. you the stuff I learned in the streets, I learned it the hard way. That's right. Because the streets are hard. And the right. last thing you want them to learn is police, respect for police in the streets. <laughs> because that's, that, not, that's not fun. And you that's know right. And I don't want your kids to be scared of police in the street. That's not it. My kids will go to an officer and talk to them because they're not scared of them. Mm-hmm. But they respect them. There's a difference. And you know what? Both, both of you, I've seen kids, 13 and 14-year-olds, stand flat-footed in a police officer's face and dare him to pull the trigger. 
But do you, you understand have, why? Yeah. And when you have a child like that, that's not afraid of dying, they are not a, the children today. I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of the teenagers today, they're hurting so bad. We don't know the reason that they're hurting, but they're hurting so bad that they don't mind taking a bullet in the head. They will flat out tell a police officer, "What are you going to do? Kill me?" Can I say this for here? Um, Go ahead. You know, um, it appears that they don't mind, but every everything you see, especially a 13 year old. Now, that, now there's some out there just you know, um, you know, mentally unstable. But but for the most part, it's a learned behavior. They saw somebody else, you know, disrespect the police officer. They saw somebody else say, "Well, I don't care if I die." You know, that's the way they've been trained. That's the way they they think they should act. And when they have that kind of mentality, if they don't act that way, they feel as if they sold out, like they have not lived up to what they're supposed to do. It's a learned behavior. Mm. So they're acting. More, a lot of them are just acting. It's a learned behavior because they, they first of all. A police officer cannot shoot you in the face point blank, and, and most people know that. Right. You know, so they, they're talking to talk, but they know in their mind that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen, not on the street. Yes. Well, hold on just a second. We have another caller. We have the caller from the 404 area code. Caller, go ahead with your question or comment. Listen to the um, pastor, the uh, a former police officer speaking, and I was, uh, it, it drew my attention when he said they dress like a suspect because, you know, I understand that I may not, ha- I didn't grow up with my pants hanging down over my waist and a lot of baggy clothes, but today it, it's new. They they dress differently. Do I agree with their, their dress? No. But it's been around for a little while now. And uh, it may not go away as quickly as I might like. Now, but to but to consider or to automatically assess a person because of the type of clothes that they're wearing as a suspect, I think is profiling. Um, and, and I don't know, you know, whether whether it be from from black or white officer. Um, you know, um, there's a way that they dress today that is just it's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't believe that even posture, the way that they drive their car, would indicate a criminal criminal intent or criminal mind. Um, I think uh, for, even in a particular neighborhood, um, these kids today are so across the board in terms of what they look like and how they walk, and and it can appear um, quite aggressive to us. But I don't believe that it should be automatically assumed uh, that that they're dangerous or that that they have uh, breaking the law on their minds or that they're doing anything wrong. And I I just, you know, um, wanted to hopefully politely I uh, disagree with the comment um, uh, of uh, dress like uh, suspect. I just wanted to go ahead and just add that uh, with all with all due respect. Thank you know, you. And in a sense, I I tend to agree with you on the sense of you know not it's not because you wear your pants baggy or a particular way you dress, but you know reality is reality, and you know more often than not. You have that situation where if a kid's dressed a certain kind of way, he's getting ready to do something wrong, you know. And and not because I haven't witnessed this, because I have witnessed it, where a kid wasn't doing anything wrong, but he was just dressed a certain way, and so he was targeted because of that. But you have to remember, police officers are trained to look for patterns. And correct me, uh, Pastor, if I'm wrong. But they're trained to look for those patterns. They're trained to look for those trends, and they work based on the odds because a lot of times the odds keep them from having to either, one, kill somebody or getting themselves killed. You know, if you know the odds are somebody's wearing a big dark jacket and it's hot outside, 
that they may have a gun underneath of there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, 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 agree, I agree with that. I, you know, I, I really do agree with that. But let me say this, too. Um, as I grew up, um, people who were put in jail, uh, those who um, acted out and um, practiced criminal behavior, uh, to see them in their day-to-day life, because I knew, I knew some of them, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> to, to, um, to see them in their day-to-day life, they dressed, they didn't dress any, any more abnormally than, than the rest of us. Uh, when they committed their crime, um, they, they, most likely they, they, you know, probably changed clothes to look a little bit darker so they wouldn't be seen, you know, mm-hmm. but the back then times were different, a little bit different. But, um, but I still, I think, I think today in terms of like the odds, uh, perhaps the, the train has to constantly be re- renewed and refreshed, um, to, uh, keep up with maybe a more, more of a psychological profile in terms of in terms of it is so difficult because they have what's called today what's acceptable they have attitude yes you know and and sometimes I think that can be misinterpreted as uh, a criminal mind or you know someone with with underlying criminal intent, and so I'm going to give him a hard time. You know what? Uh, you as you are seven miles over the over the limit. That's why I stopped you, and um, what have you. But <clears throat> you know, and and then from there, it's like to the child of today, it's like you're challenging me. You know, and yeah. and I'm uh. punk, and this this this, and this child may not even have a criminal mind, but because you know. So I, there's so many dynamics that go along with it, but I did want to just make a comment on that because I, I, I don't think that by looking at, on a whole, in general, um, what a person is wearing, uh, a young person is wearing, that that indicates right. uh, cr- criminal intent. Right. I, I, I made the statement first uh, before the pastor did, and the reason I said it that, that sometimes our children are dressed more like a suspect than a prospect, if you pull the police report, oh, okay. if you pull those things and you look at the dress of the person that committed the crime, mm-hmm. 98% of our kids dress that way. And so mm-hmm. and that that's what I meant. If, mm-hmm. you, if you see a person uh, that we see all the time going to Walmart and, and stealing, or, or taking a television and walking out the door, they won't make it out that door. But if you see the other party in a suit or, or in a pair of slacks or in a pair of you know, dress shoes, put a television in a buggy and walk out the door, no one's going to stop that person. No one's going to even question them. <laughs> well, that really, you know, you know that, that really brings up something because, you know, I tell you, this is just a personal opinion, uh, that, uh, you know, it's those people in the suits that are doing more stealing than anyone else. And uh, when they steal, they really steal. You know, um, I don't think that the, the Enron... You know, fiasco is, is anything that. Hey, well, I had to. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I didn't want to change the subject and, and get too far off base. You know, you guys have a wonderful show. I, I really have so enjoyed uh, listening to you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Greg, we got about a minute and a half left. Okay. Pastor, yeah, Pastor White is still on. Pastor White, you still there? Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, you know, right. let me say this real quick if you can end your. Um, yeah, I didn't, um, you know, mean that, you know, they were suspects because of what they're wearing. But just like Greg said, what they're wearing makes them appear to suspect. Yeah. And profiling, good or bad, it's there. And police officers do profile because they're trained to profile. Profiling is how you, you know, separate, you know, whether you're in danger or whether you're in, you know, in safety. You know, and profiling is real. So whether it's agreeable or not, profiling is there, but no, it doesn't make you a criminal because of what you wear, but it does make you appear to be one. So you're suspect. You know, I, uh, I have a cousin that uh, does spoken word, and in one of his spoken word speeches he talks about, you know, the new person that's being profiled isn't black. <laughs> and I thought, you know, so when you say right. that profile, you know, I thought about it. I said, yeah, they're still profiling. 
Yep, we got about, profile every day. Yeah, we got about 30 seconds left. Listeners, I want you all to just remember to be smart. If you ever pulled over by the police, be smart, be silent, unless spoken to, and be alert. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We hope you come back on Wednesday and listen to us at 9 p.m. Thank you and God bless. God bless.